Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Morning. Brilliant to be with you this morning. Phil, thank you for this privilege to be able to share what God has put on my heart. That song is giving you an idea about what we're going to speak about this morning. I love that song. I'll tell you a quick story. I played that song probably about 10 years ago in a church. It was a, a kid's Sunday, and I played it as loud as that. And I said, the first question was, who can tell me what the chorus, the words in the chorus are? And this old lady at the back put her hand up, and she said, I couldn't hear it. It was too loud. So I can appreciate this morning that we enjoy our music loud here at R8. We enjoy the freedom of worship, and I know nobody's going to complain about that other than maybe the neighbors. But hey, I want to talk to you this morning about one word, three points, one word, and that word is ready. As you can see, I brought my kayak with me. We love the kayak in our house. Before we go kayaking, we have to get ready. Okay, so we have to well, I do, fill the van up with our life jackets, make sure all the kids have got their life jackets, and you can't go anywhere without your paddle. I love these paddles, really easy to teach the kids how to kayak, because there's words on them, and if the kids have got their kayak, or the paddles upside down, then they've got them the wrong road round, so as long as the words are right, we know we're right. So I get ready to go kayaking. I fill the van up. The kayaks go on the roof. Everything goes in the back of the van. The packed lunch goes in. And away we go. We're ready to go kayaking. Over these last 12 months, I really believe that us as a church and the church as a whole right across the world have been getting ready. Phil here in this church of our eight has been getting ready. We have technology in this church that just blows my mind. I come down and do videos for the kids' ministry, and if you haven't tuned into them, tune into them on YouTube. They're absolutely superb, not because I'm doing them, but because of the technology involved. Kathy and Rachel are doing a brilliant job in the kids' ministry in there now. But we have technology here. Why? Because we as a church have been getting ready. We've been getting ready for the next stage. We've been getting ready by changing our daily routines. I know there's lots of people, and I'm one of them, have changed their daily routines because we've been challenged, not just by Phil, but by the different speakers that have come in. We've been challenged to spend time in God's Word. We've been challenged to fast, to pray, and we've been doing all that. I was sharing with the youth, I, I, I tried many, many times to read the Bible from start to finish and failed miserably. Um, and I came across this devotion, and it's called 100. That's all it's called, 100. And it's 100 readings that takes me right through the Bible. I've been working at it now since I started lockdown, and I'm on 82, 83 now, so I'm nearly there. But it's been brilliant to look at the Bible and go right through from the start to the finish, getting ready. We've been re getting ready as a church. But my message this morning to you and to everybody who's listening online, we're ready. And now is the time to move. We can sit 
and we can pray and read the Bible, and we still do that, okay? We still do that. That is vital. But I really believe we need to move. I want you to open your Bibles at Matthew 14. Matthew chapter 14. Now, when God put this um, verse or chapter on my heart, well, we're going to start at verse 22. And I like to always, a friend of mine, William, he's a reverend in, in uh, St. Mark's, and he, he does this. He always opens up and looks back right to the start of the Bible before he goes to where he, he, he's taken the, the devotion. And he's brilliant at it. And, and I thought, what happened before verse 22? So I looked at it, and I don't know um, what sort of year you've had. I don't know what sort of month you've had. I don't know what sort of week you've had. I know we've had a, a fairly tough year in our house. Um, four kids and trying, trying to do homeschooling and Caitlin not in work. And it's, it's just been difficult and not go into all the details. And I'm sure everybody has a story to tell about how difficult. But here, listen to uh, Jesus' day. This chapter is very hard to work out the actual timing of it. I think it was probably only a couple of days. But listen to what happened, okay? I'm going to do a few run down quickly rather than just read it. Okay, so John the Baptist was beheaded, a relative of Jesus beheaded. John's friends come to Jesus and tell him, John's been beheaded. Jesus then, like I would have done, decides to take himself off and try and get his head together. He arrives in what in the Bible is described as um, a derelict place, a desert place. And in that place, there's upwards of eight to 10,000 people waiting on him. So Jesus has gone to try and get his head together, try and work out what's just happened. I'm sure there was a wee bit of fear there because whoever's beheaded John, he's going to come after Jesus. What's Jesus' response? Listen to this in, in, in chapter 14. He had compassion on them. I've got to admit, when I'm tired at night, and my kids come, and Andrew's done this a couple of times this week, Dad, can we, uh, can we play this card game? I'm like, Andrew's son, you've picked the wrong time. I don't have a lot of compassion. When Bethan comes rocking in at quarter past 10 and says, Daddy, can I tell you this about school? No, Bethan, go to bed. <laughs> they, they, they ain't a lot of compassion there. What does Jesus do? In a lot worse circumstances than I've just described, he has compassion on them. He feeds them. He looks after them. He cares for them. And as we go through this morning, there's a world out there that needs feeding. Physically, but spiritually too. I wonder if we've got compassion for them. So let's pick it up at verse 22. Immediately after this, so immediately after what I've just described, Jesus had sent the disciples away. He'd sent the 10,000 people home. He'd looked after them. He cared for them. He'd had compassion on them. He'd fed them. He'd healed the sick. That's what the first statement was there. He came along. He healed the sick. He cared for their practical needs. And then this is what he says. We pick it up at verse 22. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and go across to the other side of the lake. While he sent the people home, after sending them home, 
he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. So again, at last, he gets five minutes to himself. Young mums, young dads, what's it like to get five minutes to yourself? So Jesus gets five minutes to himself. He goes, he prays, and he takes time out alone. Mums, dads, ever got that three o'clock cry? Jesus gets that three o'clock in the morning. Somebody needs help. Cry. What does he do? Okay. Meanwhile, his disciples were in trouble far away from the land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Then, the Peter, then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come and walk on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the other side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Save me. Jesus immediately reached out, grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why do you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You are really the Son of God, they explained. You know, I wonder if we're ready. I love that uh, story in the Bible. I've told it many times to the kids. And I was listening this week to um, every Monday morning I now made it my tradition to tune in to Church of the Highlands. If you want to know where Phil has got his blueprint for this church, where he's got the uh, dream team. I don't know if you've been about churches. I've never heard of dreams teams before. But where he's got his dream team, where he's got his knowing God, find freedom, purpose. I should, I should know it. Where he's got all that. I wish he had it written across the back so I could read it. But where he's got all that is from Church of the Highlands. So whenever I came here to R8, I said, right, what's this R8 all about? Chatted to Phil. Phil sort of mentioned Church of the Highlands. I said, right, I'm going to see what Church of the Highlands is. Because if that's Phil's blueprint, that's where he wants R8 to be. I want to know whether I want to stick with R8. So I did. And Church of the Highlands is just <laughs> blow my mind. Every Monday I tune into their podcast after listening to Phil, of course. So... Um, a couple of weeks ago, the guy was talking about this. It really, really triggered for me, okay? So he was talking about generations. And he explained it like this. Anybody before gen uh, before, born before the mid-80s, okay? So if you were born before the mid-80s, you would have used one of these. <laughs> when I brought this home, I'll tell you why I brought this. I was in the van with Bethan. Um, Bethan comes about with me quite a lot work-wise, and uh, she lifted up a handle. So in the van, there was an old handle, right? This sort of D-shaped handles, as we call them. And she picked it up, and she went, look, Daddy, this is like one of the olden day phones. And this sort of made me feel really, really old. And I brought this home. I was actually working in a loft. The guy might be watching. And I saw this in his loft. And I say, look, can I borrow this? I'll bring it back, I promise. So I brought it with me this morning. This is the phone. And Daddy said, what's your, or Bethan said, Daddy, what's your phone number? Right, Bethan, oh... 
seven, nine, Daddy, I'm bored. This is going to take forever. And it reminded me of the days when we had phones like this. Teenagers have it so easy nowadays. Because if you want to talk and you don't want your parents to hear, you uh, just go up into your room and you talk away on your phone. Or you go down the garden and you talk away. Well, do you know what we had to do? We had to put the phone in the front room, usually in the front room. Anybody my age will remember this, okay? The phone sat there. Pretend this is the door, right? We had to close the door and then sit outside on our phones like this with the door shut and, and pull the lead as long. And if you were really posh, you had a really long lead. And you were able to talk to your phone, through your phone. And that's how we had to do it. But the guy was talking about different generations. And he was going back to those born before the 1980s. This is how I explained it. Back then, life was slower. Faith had shared values. So back when I was a kid, if you had faith, if you were a Christian, if you, let's do it broader, if you had a faith of any sort, people respected you. It had value. Faith had value. Trust, there was a high level of trust. Moral standards were high. When I was a kid, you, milk was delivered to your door. You trusted people. Your paper was sat at the door. I don't think it was milkman, a milkman anymore. You didn't worry that somebody was going to nick your milk. Your back door, maybe not so much your front, your back door was left open. I must admit, I still do that. But, um, your back door was left open. We trusted our parents. We trusted our police force. We trusted our doctors. We trusted our politicians. We trusted our youth leaders. We trusted our churches. We trusted our pastors. Trust was our first response. I don't know if you can relate to that. I sat down and spoke to the kids about this when, I, when I'd listened to it. And I, Zoe works in the shop, and, and I said to Zoe, Zoe, if somebody came in to you and said, uh, I've no money, can I take this bottle of milk and a loaf of bread and, and, and this and that? And what would your first response be? And you'd be like, hmm, uh, any chance you could pay for it? Or any chance you could leave me something that'll prove you'll come back? And that's fair enough. When I was a kid, there was something called tabs. Anybody know what a tab is in a shop? Yeah? Put it on my tab. I'm really old. Everyone's like, look at that. Yeah, put it on my, on my tab. I'll come back and pay for it later on. Because we had a trust. But, you know, people born after the 80s, and he was right, and when I thought back of this, and I don't know what happened, but life became frantic. Anybody's life frantic? Mine is. Yeah, I have to write lists now. I never wrote lists in my life before to make sure I got everything done. Faith doesn't have a respect. Yeah, you talk about faith, people don't respect it anymore. Trust has been broken. When we look back over the time when I was growing up, how many times now do we hear of people that we watched on TV? 
abusing kids. Yeah. Taking their position and breaking that trust. Um, inquiries into what police have done. Inquiries here, inquiries there, inquiries everywhere. Questioning what the doctor says, questioning what the nurse says. That trust has been broken. And I wonder, has that crept into the church? How many scandals do we hear in churches? How many pastors, how many ministers can we feel that we don't trust? And I've got to be honest, my response now is, and my kids' generation is, if I'm going to trust you, you have to prove it. You've got to prove why I can trust you. And I can understand that because the trust has been broken. Morality has gone out. Anything goes. Yeah. When I was a kid, it was clear. Anybody filled their fence census form in? Yeah. So when I was a kid, it was either male or female. I've got to admit, I didn't fill it in this time. Kathy did. And she sort of gave me an idea of now that section is, I don't know how long. Yeah. How confusing is that? A census form asking me what I am. How confusing is it? And I can go on and on and on about uh, our trust. Has, has that crept into our church? Has that crept into how we deal with each other? More importantly, has that crept into how we deal with God? Is trust our first response? Let's have a look at what Peter did. What's Peter's response? He says, Jesus, is that you? Yes, it is. I'm in. He didn't say, Jesus, throw me a lifeline. Jesus, throw me a couple of armbands and I'll be in. What did he say? He said, Jesus, is that you? I'm in. I'm in. His first response was trust. I wonder this morning, are are you ready? Are you ready to put our first response as trust. When we find out, God, is that you speaking? I'm in. I'm in. Did you notice what Peter did? He said, God, is that you first? Not just, I'm in. He said, God, is that you speaking? God, is that you putting on my heart that I need to get on a missions trip? God, is that you putting on my heart that I need to get involved in the kids team? God, is that you putting on my heart that I need to get out there and help in our society. You know, here at church, we've got a kids team, we've got a youth team, we've got a welcome team, we've got an outreach team, a team that goes out into the community, feeding the hungry, giving the poor clothes. Is God putting on your heart to get involved? Is God putting on your heart not just to sit in the boat and toddle along through life, nicely gliding along. This is great in here. Is God putting on your heart to get out of the boat and to get involved? That's what Peter did. Peter, he didn't hesitate. He said, God, if that's you, I'm in. I'm in. And I know we've been challenged about this over the last few weeks to get out and to serve. And we can serve in so many different ways. I'll put some of them to you there this morning. But God's putting on your heart. It's personal. How can you get involved? How can you serve? How can you help your local community? 
You know, we have so many different terminologies in church, don't we? And, and maybe you're listening online, and you've, you've never been to church before, and, and you're saying, Steve, what are you going on about? Get out of the boat. I don't really like boats. And if it wasn't a boat, I ain't getting out of it. You know, what, what are you talking about? And at church, we have so many different terminologies, don't we? Our, our terminologies sort of washed in the blah, blah, blah. Like, what, what does that mean? If I went into work tomorrow morning and said, brother, are you washed in the blood of the lamb? Now, don't get me wrong, that is a great saying. And when you come to know what it's like to be washed in the blood of the lamb, praise the Lord, Billy, yeah? Billy, washed in the blood of the lamb, Billy? Absolutely. But I wonder, do we explain that to people? What does it mean? Or even amen. Like, amen. Billy, what are you saying when you say amen? Yeah, you're saying amen, but what does it mean? Yes, it means a yes, I agree, spot on. And these are all terminologies that are fine, no problem, I use them. But we need to explain them. Steve, what are you saying? Get out of the boat. What I'm saying is, if God puts on your heart something to do, we need to move. We're ready, yeah? All right, church, we're ready. What do we need to do? We need to move. We need to get out of the boat. Now, when I take my kids kayaking, when they're younger, not so much now, at the end of it, if it's nice and sunny, we get out of the boat, and they love this bit. But right when they were smaller, they'd be in the boat, toddling along. Right, Dad, I'm getting tired now. No problem. Right, let's have a bit of fun. What we're going to do is we're going to stand up on the boat. Ooh, okay. Now, believe me, it's a lot rockier than this. Okay. So, remember, I'm in another kayak and telling them this. Okay. And, and we're going to get our balance, and then we're going to jump into the water. Dead on, Daddy. And they look into the water, and they go, I ain't going in there. I can't see the bottom of that. So then Daddy has to go, okay, watch this. So Daddy sits down in the boat, Daddy stands up, and Daddy jumps into the water. What happens? I'll have a bit of that. Andrew stands up, Andrew wobbles a bit, and Andrew jumps in. Bethan jumps in, Caitlin jumps in, so we jumps in. You know, when we move, it impacts others. Listen to this. The impact we have when we get out of the boat affects other people's lives forever. Two things happen. One, others get out of the boat with you, okay? Two, we change people's lives forever, okay? That doesn't happen if we're still in the boat. That doesn't happen. We have to get out of the boat I'm going to move on because that clock's going far too fast. Um, that never goes that fast in a workout, believe me. <laughs> Are your family ready? This is for the dads and the mums, but particularly the dads. Why? Because I'm a dad. I want you to listen to this, okay? And I'm going to read this from Deuteronomy, okay? Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse, sorry, yeah, Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 6. And again, I looked before I read this. You can Google all the time, and it'll give you a verse, but what was God saying before that? And God was saying one of the most important things that Jesus said, so this was 
thousands of years probably, hundreds definitely, before Jesus, okay? And the Pharisees were trying to test Jesus, and they were trying to set him up, and they said, what's the greatest commandment? This is what Jesus said, reading from Deuteronomy. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. There's a whole new sermon in that for another day. Okay, but the one bit I want to listen to, listen to what it says next. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. Dads, this is your challenge to get out of the boat. It's your responsibility to tell your children this book. We as a church give you loads of facilities to use. It's your responsibility to put it on YouTube. It's your responsibility to open this book and tell your children. Not your wife's. Not your mums, not the churches, not the schools, not the governments. It's your responsibility. The Bible says it there clearly. Talk to them about it. When you're going to sleep, talk to them about it. When you're on the road, talk to them about it wherever. Dads, get out of the boat. Tell your kids about this amazing God. I don't care if you've been saved 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, or 20 minutes, because God doesn't care. It's your job to tell your kids about God, about the amazing… Is your family ready? Is your family ready? Have you told them? Have you shared with them? I have to get up out of the boat. I have to jump into the water before my kids will do it. They're going dead on. And I've got to be honest, I have a big fear of deep water. And I've had to harness that fear. Andrew got old enough to get off the top board at Cascades, sadly closed now. But I had to go first, and it was scary. And you know, in that verse, before Peter gets out of the boat, what does Jesus say? He says, don't be afraid. And you notice Jesus says that before he got out of the boat? He didn't say that while he was out of the boat. He says, do not be afraid. I'm with you. I'm there to help you. I'm there to take your hand. I'm there to be with you. Came across this fact the other day, and I thought I'd, I've got I've got this sermon nailed. Okay, it was Audacious Church. Again, another plug for a church. Tune in, great church. My brother goes there. Brilliant church, Audacious Church in Manchester. And uh, Glenn was speaking, or Glenn was speaking, and he said this: eighty-one percent of people who don't believe in God or don't have a faith or won't come into church is because they've met a Christian. Okay? So that's their reason. When asked, why do you not believe in God? Because I've met a Christian. And I thought, brilliant. Got a brilliant sermon on this. You, you lot need to behave. You need to… But then God stopped me. The Holy Spirit said, whoa, stop. Flip that on his head. And if I do a survey in here this morning or online, you can put your hand up, emojis if you want to. Who can tell me that you're in church because of a Christian? Okay? I'm not asking you, uh, are you, you don't like God because you met a, a horrible Christian. I'm asking you, okay, let's have a look. Put your hands up this morning. Who's in here this morning 
because of a Christian, because somebody told them about R8, because somebody triggered something in them. Yeah, I've got to be, my hands up because my mom and dad told me about God. My mom and dad walked the walk. My mom and dad got out of the boat in lots of different ways and lots of other people. And that's why I'm saved. It's so easy to zone in on facts, isn't it? And, and Glenn did a great sermon on the fruits of the Spirit and how we should live on the fruits of the Spirit. And, 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 and it was, but I want to say to you this morning, praise God for those who taught you. Praise God for those who invited you here. Don't be complaining about that nasty Christian who runs the shop who doesn't have heaters. Yeah, I've got to be honest. Somebody came in the, and I'm going to embarrass Zoe this morning. Somebody came in the Zoe's shop and said, are you freezing, dear? And she said, yeah, yeah, it's cold enough, but I'm all right, don't worry. And this man, a Christian, and, and he doesn't have heaters in his shop. Like, what, what's that got to do with being a Christian? And, and, then, and then another guy, another guy came in, and, and he was saying, I'm sure you get discount, don't you, because you work here? And so he said, no, it's only a corner shop. Like, we'll get discount. We just pay what you pay. And that man, a Christian, and he won't give you any discount. You know, it's irrelevant, isn't it really? Let's praise God for the Christians who've got us here where we are today. Right, I need to move on. Time's gone. Is your family ready? Dads, it's a challenge to you. I'm sure there'll be a mum stand up here one day and, and challenge the mums. Mums do a brilliant job and praise God for them and single parents do an amazing job. I don't know how you do it. I praise God for single parents because I, there's two of us in our house and boy, it's hard. How you guys do it on your own, legends. But it's your job to tell my last point, and I promise you, I'm finishing up here. I wonder, are you ready? I wonder this morning, are you ready? You know, with terminology in churches, as I've talked about, washed in the blood of the Lamb, saved by the grace of God, and I thank God for that. I wonder this morning, are you ready? It's great to be an R8. It's great to be part of R8. It's great for you watching online. It's great to be in a family. It's great, but you know, this becomes personal now. The Bible is a really personal book. The gospel is really, really simple. A holy God. We've done wrong. I don't need to explain that to you. We've all sinned. We've all done things wrong before a holy God. And no matter what we do, no matter how hard we try, no matter how many times we jump out of the boat, we cannot reach that holy God. But that holy God, who loved us so much, sent His only Son to die on a cross for you and for me. I shared this with the youth online last week. When Jesus died, he said, it is finished. Do you know what that means? If we look at the Hebrew, the Greek, the actual translation of that means paid in full. In them days, somebody would put a stamp on a receipt. They would hand you the receipt back and they would say, paid in full. All your sins covered by the blood of Jesus. That's what washed in the blood of the Lamb means. That's why Billy shouts, Amen, I agree with you. Because Jesus took the punishment for me on that cross 
so that I'm ready to get out of the boat. I wonder this morning, are you ready? Have you been to that place where you've got down on your knees and you've said, Lord, I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. Forgive my sin. Come into my life and help me to live for you. Do you know if you have, it's paid in full. The devil will come along and say, what about this? What about that you've done? Paid in full. What about this you've done? Paid in full. What about that you've done? What about that nasty time? What about that time you spoke horribly to her? What about this? And he'll chip and he'll chip and paid in full. Paid in full. Paid in full. Jesus died on the cross. He cried, it is finished. Paid in full. Are you ready? I'm finishing with a story. I promise. A friend of mine just after Christmas, a guy I just started to get to know, passed away while walking down the Moor Mountains. And I know some of the guys who are listening online know him personally, know him a lot better than I did. And I've got to be honest, it really hit me hard. He was saved. He knew God. And praise the Lord, his family does, his wife and his kid knew the Lord. But it hit me really hard. It reminded me of how fragile life was. E.T. was an inspiration of how he shared God's love. A nicer guy you couldn't have met. And God took him. But he was ready. He knew the Lord. And I know what's happened will impact Portadown and already has impacted Portadown. I know many men and women will come to the Lord because of E.T.'s life. Folks, I want to challenge you this morning. Are you ready? Jesus didn't just die on that cross for nothing. He did it to take our punishment. And praise the Lord, He rose again. He defeated death. And do you know what that means? He rose again the third day, and we're going to be celebrating that in a couple of weeks' time. You know what that means? That means we have the ability to get out of the boat. Why? Because we serve a Savior who, when we get out of the boat, He's there with us. He puts His hand down. He picks us up when we fall. He's there to help us, and He's there to guide us. I've got two challenges for you this morning. I want everybody to stand. Maybe God's been putting on your heart something that you need to do. You need to get out of your boat. You've been toddling along nicely, quite happy where you are. You know, as Christians, we're never meant to be comfortable. It sounds daft, doesn't it? We're never meant to be comfortable. We need to seek more of God. And this morning, I'm going to pray for you in a minute. And I want now, as, as I'm talking, to think about that thing that you have to get out of the boat for. But first of all, I want to ask those of you this morning who aren't ready. You know you're not ready. You know if God came today, you wouldn't be ready. Now's your time. And online, I'm going to pray now. And I want you to copy these words. Everybody here, just by your heads. And if you don't know God, say this prayer. It's a prayer I've just prayed when I was on my knees. It was a prayer I prayed when I was five years old. And God's been with me since. And it's this. Dear Lord, I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. Come into my life. 
and help me to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, if you've prayed that prayer, let us know. Okay? If you've prayed that prayer, let us know online. We've got stuff we can give you to help you. We want to pray for you. We want to encourage you. We want to bring you along. We want to get you in the boat so we can bring you along and so you can get out of the boat. Okay? We're here to help you. But if you're here this morning or you're listening online and you have a boat to get out of, now is your chance. Now is your chance before God to hand that over. Maybe you've just asked Jesus into your heart. Hey, get out of the boat. Serve. You've done the first bit. Now it's time to serve. Now it's time to get part of this team. Now it's time to move. And I want to pray for you this morning. So uh, head, heads bowed. I'm not going to ask anybody to put your hand up. I'm not going to ask anybody to tell me. You know it's between you and God. You've got to get out. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I just thank you and praise you for those people who are going to move today. I just thank you and praise you for those people who are going to get out of the boat. Lord, I just pray that you'll give them the courage to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.